Thank you for joining us. I'm Michael Anderson, and this is The Big Idea Show. Today, we're going to be talking about financial literacy for children, young adults, and everyone. It's going to be a great program. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office. If you're looking to save 15% or more on your car or homeowner's insurance, call GEICO Local Office, 805 487 7847. Well, we've got a great program for you today, and thank you for tuning in. We're talking about financial literacy. This is something that a lot of people seem to feel education and the education system does not do a phenomenal job with teaching to our youth. And as we reach young adulthood and adulthood in general, we find that Maybe we're second-guessing some of the decisions we're making, or we're not quite certain if we're on the right path. And some people just continue, and they learn by making errors, trial and error. There are credit card mistakes that happen as they solicit these 18-year-olds for credit cards, giving them items that they want to receive in exchange for getting that loyalty credit card that may be misused. How is it that people don't know and aren't taught the proper rules of the game. And so today on this show, we're going to talk a little bit about what I think are six main concepts that youth, young adults, and in general, adults, people should know about their financial, personal finance and financial matters. And so we've been working on building a curriculum here. We're teaching this at a private school in Beverly Hills. There's a private school that is uh, integrating this curriculum. And I'll just give an overview. So it's six sessions. It's one hour per session that we're doing. And a goal is to integrate this into more private schools and public schools. First one is that credit, credit cards and your credit score. It's important. This is a very important thing for children to know about and young adults. And I find that they are interested, even at a young age, as young as sixth grade, they're already knowing what credit is and credit score. They don't know the key terms. They don't know really some of the facts about credit, but they're intrigued and interested. And so that is definitely a topic. Buying a house. How is it that people don't know the rules of the game to buying a house? You can do it smarter, not harder. There is a way to buy a house in California and other states where housing is expensive. It's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy, but I am saying there is a way. I am saying there are rules to the game that we're not teaching well that we could teach better. That is the second episode of the course. Third is behavioral finance. Why do we want what we want. What's your motivation to buy something? And are you aware? Are you consciously aware of why you want something? I think this is important. There's a lot of research going into this space of trying to understand and better teach people more about behavioral finance. So that's something that we're teaching people in this financial literacy course. There are six episodes. That is the third one, behavioral finance. As we move into the next topic, it's retirement and financial independence. Financial independence is being in control of your money, having enough domain over your cash flow of making sure that your income is exceeding your expenses, keeping your living expenses and lifestyle in check to uh, afford that and understanding a few important terms with money that 
again, are sometimes not taught that well. And that's the idea of time value of money, big concept, uh, compound interest. How does that work? And some of the just general terms that people don't know that well, the difference between a checking account, savings account, and certificate of deposit, or a stock and a bond, or a mutual fund and an ETF. What about some of these new tools and technology that is coming out? Things like Venmo or Zelle, PayPal or Apple Pay. There's a lot of new technology. The kids are kind of up to date with some of this new technology. The adults and baby boomers and beyond are coming along, albeit slowly. And it is interesting as things change with technology. Uh, that is also important to follow. And retirement, the idea of that, not something that young people think about at this point. It's not nearly as relevant for them. But the whole idea with this course in personal finance is not to teach someone everything they need to know, but the idea that personal finance, if it's taught well, that it's a primer. You're teaching them a few things that are relevant, that they can understand, that they can start to have conversations with their adult family members and others about, and that will engage them to be ready to learn more when those opportunities come and to engage in a conversation or have the opportunity to learn more about these at a deeper level, they will have already had some knowledge to engage in that conversation. And that is another reason why it's so important to have our youth learning about personal finance in their young teenage years and beyond. Continuing, the fifth episode is Save Now. Seriously, start saving now. Even at a young age, a kid can start saving money. Even in your mid-20s, you can start saving money. But things that you don't know about or haven't thought about, like what is a reasonable interest rate? That's a little boring, but what is opportunity cost? That's a little less boring. If you go to one concert on a weekend, obviously you can't go at that same time. You can't go to the beach with your friends. You're at one place, not the other. Some things you have to pick and choose, and that's with events, but it's the same way with money. If you're spending the money on this In-N-Out Burger combo number three, well, you're not saving that money for your trip to Magic Mountain. If you haven't thought about that, well, you kind of need to. That's opportunity cost. Some things have risk. There's this thing called the investor psychology cycle. As people start to make money, you feel like you're missing out and want to make money too. As people start to lose money, you say, well, maybe we need to sell now and get out while we can before losing it all. And how does that impact people for their essentially savings and retirement cycles? The rule of 72, what is that? The idea of paying yourself first. How does that apply? And systematic savings. Are there ways to do that that make it easy now? Or is that still a challenge for people? So that is episode five, the idea of saving. And in episode six, we bring it together with the idea of the adulting of money concepts. Buzzword nowadays is this idea of adulting. As our youth become adults, how much of an adult are they really becoming? How much are they really learning to do those responsible things that you know, some of our baby boomers and older generations have done for years and sometimes criticize that the younger generations are not becoming adults early enough. But as we go into this, there are six steps that you must know about and things you should do after college. Those relating to cash flow and managing your debt well and savings, acquiring assets, one of those possibly being real estate or a home, 
saving for retirement, giving to charity, understanding these things and what that might look like to be successful and what real success is when we talk about personal finance. It's not necessarily owning the nicest watch or the best car or winning the allure of your friends through social media and the places you go, but what really is it? Trying to define that in a real sense for yourself, but also what it ought to be and not what sometimes society drives us to thinking that it is. The perception is not always the reality there. We also talk about the 12 principles of personal finance and financial planning. You know, obviously progress is important, not perfection, but progress and the idea of balance. When we think about are you saving for tomorrow or are you spending for today, we're looking for balance. You don't need to do one or the other. They're not both wrong or both right, but balance. Save for tomorrow and spend for today. But don't overspend when you're living for today. Make sure you're also saving for tomorrow or, or at least have that in perspective. These are some of the initial concepts. And Spence, I'll open the mic up for you here, but we talk about this financial literacy and trying to teach some of these concepts to prime the youth and prime people that want to learn more and dig in for their personal financial situation. I think it's really important, and I hope that we can get some traction with giving people this information in a way that they can start to start to use it and understand it and just take advantage of it. And one of the issues is you're no fun. But what you said about opportunity cost is so spot on with how to distribute your money for entertainment properly. Because like you said, with your kids especially, I guarantee you folks, most of your kids, if you make some sandwiches and go to the beach with a couple of Frisbees, they'll have as much fun and as much memory as if you went to Magic Mountain. And the cost difference is huge. The opportunity is still a great time with your family. And then once a year, go there. It's odd how we put value to things. And you forget that there's so much fun to be had and a little bit of savings. So how do you have fun but not below the money? I had a guy, I'm a board to the head kind of guy. Somebody's really got to smack me before I get it. I will never forget, even though I didn't apply it. When I bought a truck when I was a youngster, bought a new truck, it was great. It was Ford Ranger. And my payments back then were like 300 a month. That was a lot of money back then. And this guy sat me down. He said, i got to show you something really quick here. He said, this truck, and he, he worked it all out and did the interest. And he, and he did this nice little scale. And he said, if you would have bought a used truck for this much, and you would have done this and not the interest, he said, at the end of five years, you would have had like $4,000 in the bank, and you would be driving a truck. Well, that's neat, sir. I'm going to go drive my new truck. When I look back on that, it, it, was, it was brilliant. Because if you take that, when I was 22, that $4,000, and what you talked about, the rule of 72, which you can explain if you would like, that 4000 all these years later, even at 5%, would be a little bit of cash that would be sitting in an account, and I still would have had fun in that other truck. And it's just little things like that. How come a lot of wealthy people have a Mercedes that's 15 years old? And, and you look at things like that that are kind of obvious and practical, but can we plant that in a 10-year-old, 12-year-old's head so they know how to have fun and they know how to save money? That's, that's the trick that you have. That's the challenge. And I, I think it's incredible that this school in Beverly Hills was so forward-thinking that they would apply your program to a learning situation in class because we need this. And I think that was something that was fascinating. They approached me and said, we are good at educating 
children and kids and we know how to build curriculum, but the content we need, we're not specialists in the content. Can you help us with the content and we will help you formulate it in a way that they will understand it better. And so it's kind of a blend between content that's rich in the the specific material of personal finance, but distributed in a way that they will be more amenable to uh, accept it and digest the information. And what it kind of looks like is this, I'll describe it a little bit, but each class we have, essentially, we start with a discussion and the discussion is to pique their interest. What's important to know about credit? How do we use credit cards? What are the things that people use them? Do you want them? What do you know about them? And we have a, just a broad peaking discussion about the topic to try and get conversation engagement going. Directly after that, we go into a survey. What's fascinating about school nowadays, everyone has a laptop in the classroom. So we have a, sur- instead of giving them a piece of paper worksheet like it used to be, now it's open up your laptop. You now have a survey we've just sent to you. Go ahead and do it real quick. And in the survey, it's real simple, five to eight questions, usually true or false. And as everyone answers, their responses are aggregated on the board, not specific to them, but specific to the whole group of the survey that was answered. We can see the results and we talk about those. And then they're broadening, what does everyone think about this? Sometimes what you think everyone thinks about it is not what everyone thinks about it. And it's also not correct. And so we have that type of conversation about materials inside of what we're talking about. And then it evolves into, now let's go into a few slides, a presentation. And we talk about, essentially we're talking about best practices now of what they need to know about this personal finance topic and key terms that they, they may not have ever heard about the idea of, uh, of arbitrage or the idea of what is a mortgage. They've never heard that term before. The idea of, of interest rate or FICO score, these just general terms we need to, to bone up on having them understand what the terms that are used, what they mean. That's an important part of it. And we really drive that home. And at the end, I think this is key, and this is probably the biggest thing for me. At the end, we finish with another one of those surveys that they take home with them. And in that survey, we're asking them questions to also have a conversation with an adult family member about. And things like, is it easier to buy a home today or more difficult today than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago? Ultimately, we want them to understand that it. There is knowledge to be gained from your peers, your adult family members, and other people by having conversations about this stuff. It's not taboo. It's not you're on an island alone to figure this out and make mistakes. And unfortunately for money issues in families, we don't talk about this very well. And so trying to foster some of those conversations from the child upward I think is very beneficial and we're hoping to drive that home a little bit better. And I think we're getting that engagement as I observe what's happening in this classroom in Beverly Hills. So I think there's real impact being made. We're hoping to grow this at a a better clip to other schools that would want it. Even when I was in school and I, I took one class that was a personal business class, it wasn't to do with financing, but at least, and I'll give them credit way back then, they had the checkbook. 
and they said, this is how you do a ledger, this is how you do this, this. And they really had you go through everything. If you have to pay a credit card, if you have to pay a water bill, you have to pay a gas bill. It actually showed you balance, showed you income, showed you costs. It didn't get into, though, one of the things. And it's I don't know if Albert Einstein really said it, but it's a, a, a great story on what's the most powerful force in the universe. Compound interest, yep. It is remarkable. And for a kid to look at that, it's, it's almost like it becomes a game and like a competition that is it, uh, it's it invigorating. It, it's um, it is. fulfilling. And it evolves, too. And I think that another important thing about that is, is a lot of success in personal finance, is, it's, it's not how much money you acquire. Okay? It's not the acquiring of cer- certain amount of money or a home. or It's not acquiring a certain material status. It's the habits you form. Personal financial success comes from the habits you form. Learning to spend less than you make is such a key proponent at every stage of your life that's going to be important. While you're working, as you get your first job, as you evolve into getting a better promotion and higher income levels, keeping this in check when you retire. And that is so important to live within your means or any of these other terms that come up that they come up with. It's it's simply cash flow. It's having your spending habits be in line with your earning abilities for that moment and being aware of that. So, so much of this, and that's why I really stress behavioral finance too, the idea and the study of behavioral finance, why we want what we want. It is a growing area and field of study um, that, uh, that it's decisions, it's choices, it's behaviors. And that's really a big part of personal finance, those habits. How do we get in touch with you to get the program? Is it currently available if somebody just wants to do it in-house, or is this an instructional program only for schools? It is available. I I make it available, and I think the best way is just to contact me directly through my website. I don't publish it on the website at the moment, but I am doing outreach to schools that would like this. I found it easier with private schools at the moment because they have the latitude to take action on something like this. And some of the local public schools have done it as well. We've we've had some good uh, response to them, but it's just more difficult to engage. And at the moment, the best thing to do is just go to my website and contact me through the website, and I will be happy to get you the information, uh, essentially help you out and help hopefully distribute this. But it's marinantha.com is the best place to go. And I'll spell that out. It's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. That's marinantha.com. Looking at just little games you can play with your kids. And one, I think I, I told you before, is keeping change. And when my son, I did it the other day. I even showed one of our salespeople upstairs. I had a, this, uh, a, a, well, it was a beer glass, souvenir beer glass. Every time I got change, and I, I get a lot of change, so I had these, these two glasses. The only mistake I made with my money was I went over to the Ralphs up here and I poured it in. Now, what's the problem with that? I don't know. They take 7%. Oh, at the that, change that's, counting that's machine. That's a scorch. Yeah. That's a scorch. Yeah. But I had these two glasses, and Cole, my son, had seen them in my office a few times. What's that? And I said, oh, it's just nickel times quarters. In those two glasses, after the 7%, in two glasses. And you see that, and to a kid, even a quarter, when I was a child, could buy a bunch of baseball cards. Quarter doesn't mean much unless there's a few quarters on top of it and you keep going. And I tell Cole, I said, you know, when you, you spend that and you get the 38 cents, you get the 42 cents, right there you look at it and say, what's this? But remember, all of those things, if you paid 
too much for that drink at the blender place. If you, it's all those little things where you can still have fun and maybe make the blended drink at home and save that money. Did you ever know the Dolans? They had a radio program, and they I, used to be on Good Morning America. I do Husband not. and wife. They did one that really woke me up. They said, now, everybody, get up and go to their closet. Open the door and say, when's the last time you wore that? When's the last time you wore that? How many times did you wear that? And then get down to the brutality of what did it cost? He says, do you realize that maybe that jacket costs like $28 every time you wore it because you only wore it four times? And they looked at that and they said, all of the things you get, did you really use it? Did you really need it? Like you say, what, what makes you happy? The impulse buy. And why did you? But the psychology, psychology of purchasing is really, really a clever concept. Oh, I bought this and it feels good. But what if that money was taken just tossed in the bank? So then when you hit retirement, you can say, my goodness, I was pretty good at saving. And now I can really go out and have fun and I can really be comfortable because you you didn't make that that silly purchase or you looked at a coupon, you looked at a bargain. It's something that we got to get in kids heads. Yeah, there's a lot to it. And I think it is more of a learned behavior than anything else. The idea that uh, you could essentially put money here instead of use it there. And I think that is something that uh, definitely should be taught a little bit better, um, if not at least just a exposure to the concept, um, because that is important and that's real life. It's where are you going to utilize these dollars um, essentially to get what you want, to live the life you want to live, and behavioral finance is becoming a big deal nowadays. When I used to work, and I don't work as much as I used to, but I, I got to get back into it. When I tell kids uh, with the American Cancer Society and the Relay for Life, the power of, of getting money for the cause, and I, say, I say, go go up to your parents and say, hey, Dad, you know, could you give me a nickel this weekend and then just double it for a couple of months so I'll have a little money to give uh, to the end? The kids would say, well, that would amount to much. And I'd say, get a calculator. Go five to 10, to 20, to 40, to 80, to 160, to 320. And you start looking at that, and you can see their eyes get big. And all of a sudden, they, they really get a grasp of what seems like very little in the long run. It can be a huge amount of cash. And you pointed out in the thing, make it fun, make it entertaining, and make it rewarding. And if you can get all those things to your child, it won't be you're screwed, and we're not going to have any fun. It in itself becomes a game. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think the exposure to some of these concepts and other resources, and there's a lot of good resources you can find online, books, blogs, podcasts, all kind of great stuff nowadays that people are putting out there that maybe you can find some exposure to and enjoy and start to, uh, in, you know, or your kids uh, or grandkids could start to get exposure to some of these essentially resources that they might essentially subscribe to. And, and then that could be a good thing. I'll list a few. Obviously, Clark Howard is a big name in personal finance. And I think he is a phenomenal guru giving great information out. And he's been around for a long time doing good work. The book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki was a phenomenal book that I read in high school. It was given to me um, and uh, read it. And I think it's an awesome book talking about this idea of acquiring assets and you know minimizing liabilities. But really a fun book written well and I enjoyed that in high school. 
there that Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman are gurus. A lot of books, a lot of uh, stuff putting out there. Chris Hogan and Rachel Cruz um, are current, and they're writing books and doing good work. There's a podcast that uh, is called Afford Anything by Paula Pant, and she's one of these uh, millennials that has the idea of financial independence and retiring early even, not retiring in your later years, but your earlier years, and she talks a lot about that and has a lot of good information there. So definitely something to think about of where do you curate your own personal finance information? Like how are you getting the advice that you're getting? Where did it come from? And is that a source that's reliable enough to set your financial future upon? If you're getting ideas from, you know, your, your neighbor when you're essentially, you know, pulling out of the driveway together and sharing ideas, it's that's one spot, but it's not necessarily maybe the best, most reliable spot. So where are you getting your information and how uh, reliable and credible and how much do you uh, count on that and may take action from it? And I think that's what you want to find is somewhere you can get financial information and rather good information that you can take action on and subscribe to, to, uh, to make good decisions. So that's what I would encourage everyone to do. If you haven't already is seek out getting good information. Where do you find, and this is kind of almost in all things in life. It's like, who do I look up to in this arena? Who do I look up to for my personal finance ideas? What strategies should I be subscribing to? Same thing with like health or fitness. Who do I look up to in health and fitness? And how should I be essentially trying to subscribe to these ideas that they're doing really well? Like who's my idol in that category? Who do I look up to when it relates to you know different topics? Like I like golf. I like golf. I really enjoy um, the sport and then watching it and kind of hearing different ideas and subscribing to different maybe social media channels that promote different ideas in the sport. And, uh, you know, I have a few players that I watch and enjoy talking to and, you know, and trying to learn more about it. It's the same way with other interests in life. And hopefully personal finance will be one where you can find someone or some essentially resource to subscribe to and, and get good information from. So give your kids the advice of that guidance because they're not going to get it in school. My son, I'm sure he's had some nice teachers. I don't think they have had literally one minute of any kind of finance talk, and he's 15. Not one minute. So it's time. And folks, uh, maybe mom and dad, it's your responsibility to make that happen. It would make such a good elective course. So even if they didn't make a curriculum, as long as it was there to show value to kids, it, it would be a good thing to put in schools. I think where it goes, it would be great to have be a graduation requirement that you at least have exposure in the form of a certificate to go through this. In the senior year in school, they have an economics class, and that's high school curriculum, and it does touch on some personal finance, but I don't know how deep it goes, and I don't know essentially um, how well, like I remember my own class and what we did and uh, think of relating that to today's times. It's different. You know, there's just a little bit more that they should learn and it's a little bit of different curriculum that they should learn. So I'd love to see it be a requirement. Hey, thanks for joining us and listening to the show. This has been The Big Idea Show with Michael Anderson and Tom Spence. And we come every week talking about ideas and things that you should know about and we really appreciate your time for more information you can always contact us online the website is marinantha.com that's m-a-r-a-n-a-n-t-h-a.com have a great week and thanks for listening 
Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities? Retirement